Welcome to the Skeptic Wire. Hello! Hello! <laughs> Today is the 11th of January 2012. It is... Podcast number 040, that's 40, of the Skeptic Wire podcast. Yay! Yay! I am Gary Lawn, and with me this week, as per the norm, are Donna Swafford. I am Hufflepuff. <laughs> Try that again. I am Hufflepuff. There we go. And Greg Perrine. Have you ever seen the Hufflepuff common room? Nobody has ever described it. You don't know what goes on in the Hufflepuff common room. That's what oh. I like about it. Orgies. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, what, what birthdays do we have this week? Just to start us off, Greg. Yes, some fun, vaguely skeptically themed birthdays. Um, on January 10th in 1869, guess who was born? Oh, see, it's always this quiz thing. Uh, 1869? You could just say I Copernicus. don't know. No. Uh, Francis Bacon. No, not Kevin Bacon either. <laughs> George Washington? All right, I'm just going to say it. <laughs> Ethel Merman. 1869? Uh, Ronald Reagan. <laughs> Stephen Hawking. Bob the Builder, what? <laughs> I got no clue, tell us. Gregory Rasputin. And how is he skeptical? Because he was believed to have been a prophet, a psychic, a faith healer. and. Really? uh yeah, he was basically. And he was this, a man who couldn't die. Yeah, he was. There uh, is that famous for you know taking forever to kill him, and then he or was, was he like shot, and influential, stabbed and poisoned, yeah. and, and thrown off the, the balcony, bridge, and, and, drowned, yeah. and hanged. Yep. I think. I th- of of many bad things to yeah. happen, so not not a good person to be. Um, so you know, basically, if we, if we had more skeptics way back then, maybe people wouldn't have. You know, people would have just said, all right, why don't you just leave? <laughs> <laughs> we kick you out. Okay, yes. so Rasputin is one. Yes, um, and this is vaguely skeptically themed, but in, in January 13th of 1919, who was born? 1919? Stephen Hawking. Hawking. Ethel Merman. Nope. Well, <laughs> Ronald Reagan. <laughs> Since you've already said him, on January 8th, 1942, is when Stephen Hawking was born. Oh, okay. Oh, 42, see? Uh Aha! Yes, he's only 70 years old. Uh He, you know, he may not look it, because he's been through a lot. He's has, what is the, um, he has a motor motor neuron disease related to... Is that Lou Gehrig's or cerebral palsy? Amyrotrophic lateral sclerosis. Multiple Related to ALS. Okay. Which I think is... Is that what Lou Gehrig's disease yes, is? Yes, Legionnaire's yeah. disease. Yeah, so... Oh, Gehrig. Oh, listen to you, Miss European person. No, I said Legionnaire's. Oh, Legionnaire's. It was, was all Lou it Gehrig? It sort, sort, of, sort of sounds like Lou Gehrig. Okay, okay, if you're okay. It's okay, people. <laughs> God, you were about to come to blows over that one. No, we were Well... She's way over there. I was... Imagining it might be I, fun for the listeners to think I'd that... Have to, I'd have to we had leap some... across the table and spill my beer. Are you insane? Well, <laughs> only that you would want to spill your beer. I know you would leap across the table. Someone else whose birthday... 
The the person who was saying January thirteenth, nineteen nineteen. Nineteen nineteen. Yeah. Uh, Robert Stack, the host of Unsolved Mysteries. Wow. Wow. He's ninety two. Oh. Is it, I don't know if he's still alive. Uh. <laughs> One moment. <laughs> to will, the Google. We, we, will, <laughs> we no. will send. We will send a query to the Googles. <laughs> Um, he unfortunately passed away on May 14th, 2003. Right. So the reason why I mentioned Robert Stack is mainly because he was host of Unsolved Mysteries, which to me was kind of a gateway, not exactly gateway drug, but a gateway (laughs) to skepticism in that I liked the, you know, oh, isn't it neat that they talk about abductions or Bigfoot or mysteries on that show, but it was always kind of, well, they're just talking about, you know... This vague evidence, they never actually say they found anything. It's fun stories, but I don't believe any of this. Mm. So it was it was a way for me to see the absence of evidence that the believers of Wu actually had. I just remember him from Airplane. <laughs> that too. And yet the absence of evidence still allows the History Channel or the Learning the Channel to have an entirely new Bigfoot show. Again. Yes. They say they have better evidence than ever. Uh, which which is would a, be none. I think they have a, a footprint in the mud. People have been casting footprints for years. Yes. and So it's nothing new. No. Yeah. But it's but it's new to them. Anyway, oh, and, uh, <laughs> moving on. The, moving on. And also born one day later on January 14th, 1919, Andy Rooney, who died late last year. Who was a commentator on CBS's 60 Minutes and um, a known crusty commentator? Crusty commentator, um, not on Krusty the Clown, but nope. um, still um, and known for being atheistic and opinionated. So was he atheistic? Yeah. Yes, he was. He was atheistic. Hmm. Yeah. So those are the uh, famous skeptical birthdays that I could find Excellent. on the internet. This I think week. there's one more, more, but but you did say Gee. it was skeptically Skeptical. leaning. So I don't know if this other person will really fits the bill. What the 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 fat guy on the weird silly <laughs> Texas podcast? Yeah, sometime yeah. uh, Grigorovich Perini, 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 Perine. No, it's no, pro- that's not it. That's, yeah, that, that can't possibly be it. <laughs> perine, it's now it's Perine. <laughs> I'm fine you making fun of me, but <laughs> pronounce it right, damn it. Yes, Gerg. That's a fully approved nickname. It's not a mispronunciation. <laughs> it's been through the process, been stamped it's got three the times. stamp of approval, exactly. <laughs> yes. January 11th is my birthday. That's today. That is today. Moving on. <laughs> yes. And as a follow-up to one of our previous stories... Uh, Jessica Alquist, who is a uh, teenager, she's a, I believe she is either 16 or 17, she sued the Cranston <gasps> High School because they had this large prayer banner, you know, Dear Heavenly Father in your name sort of thing. Which they're trying to get put back in, apparently. Which they're trying to, but she Not just won them, her, but a whole bunch of people. She won her court case today to have it removed. Yay! Congratulations, Yay! Jessica. Congratulations. That is awesome. And this is a, a, a frame of reference where I feel perfectly adequate saying, you go, girl. Absolutely. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not talking down to anyone. 
she is doing awesome, and this makes me happy about the next generation. It's not just you know old fogies sitting around a you know a high school basement talking about oh the days of skepticism when <laughs> we were all angry and people would listen to us. We've actually got the the young folk. You know, putting in their two cents and putting their names on the line and getting out there and doing stuff. Yeah, but it's yeah. a lot easier to also to get the support for that thing, um, as opposed to when we were young and we didn't have no things like the internet, the air yeah. tubes. Yeah, <laughs> uh, it, it's a perfect example, I think, of how a message can can get spread through uh, through modern technology. Yeah, and that person in her situation can get support. Easily, because now you know about the ACLU and, and right. The ACLU had actually come in and decided to sue, and she was the one who stepped up and said, "I will, I'll be the face. Yeah, I'll be right. the one." Yeah, and then and, you, have, and, you have a support group online that you may not have necessarily around you in town, but you have the the moral support and the. All you need is one mention from PZ, and everybody knows. Yep. So congratulations, Jessica. The Skeptic Wire is definitely proud of you and all the hard work that you've accomplished. Uh, more updates. More updates. Reason Rally. We haven't met. Did we mention them last week? We haven't mentioned the Reason Rally in a couple weeks. Yeah. This year. Which is great. why we're mentioning them this week. This week. We have the Reason Rally coming up in March. March 24th is the Reason Rally. There you go. And then the Atheist Convention. Uh, Atheist Alliance, I think. Atheist Alliance. No. No. Atheist. American Atheists. American Atheists. The People's Front of Judea. The People's (laughs) People's Front of Atheism is having their... uh, uh, Next to uh, the... Do we we decide? The Atheist Alliance? (laughs) (laughs) Would you like to start over, Gary? The American Atheist Convention (laughs) is in Washington, D.C. area. Sunday, Monday, the 25th and 26th, the two days after the Reason Rally. So you can go to both and see the entire Skeptic Wire team there because we will be there. We won't have bells on, but we will be there. I might have bells on. <laughs> Yay! I'll bring, I'll bring the little little bells. Oh, the lightning round dinger. Yes. And Wonderful. Tim Minchin's going to be there, which that's has true. nothing to do with bells at all. But that's what made me remember to mention it this week, that... It was announced this last week that he, he was going to be performing there Tim along Minchin. with uh, Tim Minchin. Bad yes. Religion. Bad Religion will do a full set, and you'll have Dawkins and uh, Christina Red and a whole bunch of stuff and people. And and the most important thing is if you're anywhere on the East Coast or can make it out there, even if you don't go to the American Atheist Convention, is to go to the Reason Rally and just be a body yeah. to show just how many people of non-belief are out there so that politicians and policymakers start paying attention to the the point the of view of, of secular people, whether they be atheists, freethinkers, humanists, etc. And it's not just on the East Coast. It's actually in the Northeast near Washington, D.C. Well, so it, don't just go to the East Coast and expect to see a whole bunch of people gathered around. I, I mentioned the East Coast I mean, they because... Should have been in Florida. Because it's easier for them to get to Washington, D.C. than someone, say, oh, in see. Hawaii. Ah, which does have an East Coast on the on the Hawaii. Listen, side. you son of a bitch. <laughs> but you're right. It's very difficult to drive from Hawaii to Washington, D.C. That's true. So please don't do that. Uh, oh, oh, my God! <laughs> speaking, speaking of people who have come out of the woodwork, the response... 
I, I got an email from the... You remember them? They were the people that put together the prayer rally uh, with with uh, lovely Governor Goodhair. Uh, Rick Perry. Rick Perry. Perry. Yeah, I, I almost forgot his name because he hasn't really been around a lot. And he's uh, really and he, tanking in the presidential race. <laughs> horribly. Um, yes, when the only person that you beat is somebody who dropped out. <laughs> so they're, they're, they're still pumping it up. You know, starting last summer, says the email, in Houston, the response gathered 40,000 people from all yeah, over see, America. Yeah, wasn't it originally like 20,000 and then it went up to 30,000? 30, 30, now it's 40,000. Well, they haven't moved much from that $40,000 Assumption. No, but yeah, they haven't, they haven't, they haven't pushed that. But I think they're, they're counting the protesters, <laughs> and and they may have just counted and the people who were tweeting about it. And I think I think they just counted bodies as they came in and went and left. So right. each person that came in was counted. So if you went back out and back a couple of times, you probably got a click, right? Yeah. So they prayed and fasted, um, which apparently they're selling food inside. So maybe not so much fasting going on. Yes, uh, there's some great pictures of some teenage people at the response who were chowing down on nachos, just going... Wah, 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 wah. So they, they prayed and fasted, believing to see a change in our nation and in the body of Christ. Wait which, a, that is a, a very, very odd sentence. A change? So, hold on, change in the body of Christ. Yeah. So what, they were performing uh, plastic surgery? Yeah, uh, Jesus is getting boob implants? What? Well, he was I'm fasting more on nachos. To go with the ripped abs that he always yeah, seems to have? Okay. Exactly. <laughs> so, uh, I was I just very, very, very excited. They, they have some other stuff coming up, which isn't, the, the things aren't in the email, but you can go to the Response USA if you wish to go. If you're a glutton for punishment, yes, like Gary indeed. is. Uh, you have no idea. The emails I get. I'm also part of the, uh, the American Family Association Yeah, I get email. those too. Oh, God. You people I, are I braver even, than I, I am. I can't even hardly get past the, the subject. <laughs> yeah, yeah there, there, there have been a, several just auto-deletes of, I can't today. Yeah. And they all start out with how blank and so-and-so are destroying America or something like that. Not, um, the, the last one says, to womb it may concern. Aha. Uh-huh. <laughs> so, there... <laughs> No, I haven't. I haven't even uh, opened that up or marked it as red. Yeah. You All know, right. if we didn't a know while better. ago, we sent somebody <laughs> to the response rally in Houston. Well, we didn't send somebody; they went. Right. Really, and that and, would be you, Greg. Yeah, and I recorded some audio of some of the protesters outside of what they were going through, and we actually talked with Dan Barker of the Freedom from Religion Foundation for a few minutes. Yes, we did. So I don't know what episode number that is, but. Uh, We've only got 39 other podcasts. That's only <laughs> 39 to about 50 hours of listening. So, yeah. you know, next weekend, just blow through them all and listen to them. Um, you want to give some Facebook shout-outs? Um, yeah. Uh, we've um, had a lot of um, new activity on our Facebook page, and we just uh, topped over 50 Facebook likes. Woo-hoo! and for you know, a podcast that's not been going for about a year and only has about 39, now 40 shows out there, we do really appreciate the support and the fan feedback. Absolutely. So if you find stories that you think we might want to talk about 
anything vaguely to do with religion, skepticism, science, anything, um, anything to do with, you know, anthropology, so Donna can get her fix. Um, please feel free to post those, those stories to our Facebook page. Um, and yes, you please know. post so that Gary's girlfriend and my fiance don't have to keep posting. <laughs> well, we've gotten a lot of stuff from, um, James Stringer has been posting a lot from almost from the very beginning. Right. Thank you. I, and he's, I, I, thank I think you, we can call him our number one fan. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, but we've also got Rich and Hannes from, uh, England. Whom um, we all met in saying karaoke with. Yes. At Texas Free Thought Convention. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, even the Bart- Bartlettsville, Oklahoma Atheist Group has been posting some stuff, so we Thank appreciate them from our... And Matthew our, Matthew Sheets uh, got us to 50. So. Yeah. Um, and and I'm, I apologize um. for mispronouncing this, but Aramazam El Mara, I think is how you pronounce it, who's all the way in Tel Aviv... Is listening Sweet. to us, so we have a worldwide audience of, ten, of tens and tens of listeners. <laughs> <laughs> we have gone international. Yeah, so you know, we we'd really appreciate all the feedback you guys give us. If you want to email us, all that stuff is way at the end of the episode. Our Twitter name, our Facebook address, and all that. Um, we appreciate the likes. We appreciate any feedback you have, any new Plus stories. Also, on the show notes. Yes, and on the blog, skepticwire.blogspot.com. Yes, it's on there too. Yeah. So uh, uh, please feel free to give us more information and you know, kind of New Year's resolution anything. If if we can get up to say a hundred Facebook likes by the time we have our one year anniversary in March, is it? April, I think. When I our first episode was in March or April, so maybe we can double our likes and double our listeners. It'll be twelve weeks from now. Yeah. So, so three months. <laughs> go out, tell your friends about us if you like us, especially, and <laughs> give us a like on Facebook. And if you really want to, we'd really appreciate some feedback on iTunes, because that keeps our name higher up on the list more often. So people will find us when they search for skeptic on iTunes. Indeed, indeed, indeed. So that's a whole big shout out and thank you and love fest for the listeners that we will all. Hug and smush when we see them at the Reason Rally or next year's Texas Freethought Convention or at TAM or whatever events we go to. Even the local bar. Okay, moving on. Except for Greg, who doesn't really go to local bars. I go to well, bars. Well, you go to You just drink. Okay. I'm the driver who drives everybody home. <laughs> Speaking about new things, what do we have coming up? Uh, I know Donna's doing the St. Baldrick's. We'll give another shout-out to, yeah. to St. Baldrick's. Like I said, I'm shaving my head to raise money for children's cancer. Um, and actually, I need to thank Richard Hannes, who graciously donated some money. Thank you again, Richard, awesome. from all the way across the pond, as they say. Well, he's can just they, getting can they all do sorts that? of love tonight. Can, 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 they, can they do that? Mm-hmm. Really? Because that's like a different currency. Yeah, they love and to donate And we're about to go to gold standard and stuff. Um, and Jordan who has come in as as one of our guests and filled in for me one night he actually has volunteered so come donate to either his page my page or Michael's page or whomever is is donating basically any cancer uh, anti-cancer anti right (laughs) yeah don't donate to the tobacco companies continuing on with new stuff we're having a competition Greg and I well, not really a competition. A, we're just a, working on... A, a wor- friendly challenge. There we go. And so both of us are going to write a a Valentine's song uh, with a skeptical scientific sort of leaning. 
If we can mix that in there, yeah. yeah. If if so. I mean, it may just be pure love, 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 love. So <laughs> Gary and I, both being vaguely musically inclined, yeah. are going to try to write these songs of, since it's February, do kind of Valentine-y love theme. And we're, we're hoping to do this once a month, um, each write songs and then help each other produce them with music and or suggestions. Um, and we'll produce, we'll premiere them on the podcast and uh, make them available as free extra downloads on the. Well, yours may be free. <laughs> <laughs> no, we'll, we'll have them on the on the podcast, and we'll probably put them up on, on SoundClick or SoundCloud as but... a, as a, an available download yeah. somewhere else. And um, the and you know what we'd like from you, the listener, is either in future month suggestions of themes or ideas of what each of us could write a song about. Um, and also, we're thinking of maybe towards the end of the year or maybe when we go to conventions or something, putting together an actual physical CD with some of these songs, maybe add some more production value beyond what Gary can do, which he does really well, which you heard in some of the Christmas songs we did last month. Um, yeah. <laughs> that will do it even more polishing besides what we can whip together in a week. And then, you know, you know. Can buy a CD and support the scene. podcast server space. And, you know, we can buy a web page or something. And Well, we can put it up on CD, baby. You can download it. That too. Put put together. Well, we'll talk about that a little. But that's the idea for the long term. Yeah. But in the short term, we want to write some songs, give them to you guys as gifts, and, and uh, have some fun with it. Yep, yep, yep. Now, that's just Gary and I because we're more musically inclined. Donna has told us that mainly she would play the tambourine, maybe. Yeah, I, I, that's where I, yeah, I have to be for the music department. <laughs> but Donna, you have your own artistic leanings. Right. And why don't you tell us about what you've been thinking of doing? Well, what I'm thinking about doing, there's a term in, in the evening news called a Vosat, and a Vosat is a small, mini, three to five minute documentary. And my plan is... Once How do you a get short documentary from Vosat? It stands for voiceover sound on tape. And it's where a the anchor stands up and gives a little bit of intro. And then you have interviews and, uh, okay. and B-roll and all of those fancy video terms in there. But it's <laughs> it's typically what you see in the evening news. And it's usually like, you know, bringing your pets inside when it gets cold. Or making sure your water drips... When it starts to freeze, so your pipes don't freeze, freeze. up. Yeah. yeah. I didn't want to say the word freeze <laughs> twice, and I couldn't figure out how to say it. <laughs> That's okay. Gary will fix it in post. No, I won't. No, you won't. <laughs> I know I'm better than that. So my plan is, is much like yours, taking some of these, like, for, I'm going to, my first one will be in February, and it'll be about some myth about Valentine's day so but if you guys have any suggestions for the rest of the months like i mean i'm obviously thinking something for st patrick's day for march probably about drinking or hangover (laughs) recovery the other thing is though i don't have a name for this show so So, we need a name yes we need a name and i've been trying to get something with wire in it because the skeptic wire is the one that kind of push this along and it is very skeptically thinking so if any of our Something listeners more interested than skeptic wire news yeah okay <laughs> so which is if... probably what we're going to end up using <laughs> <laughs> quite you so if any of our listeners have suggestions please 
post them on our Facebook page or post them to our blog. Send us an email. Send us an email at skeptiquare at, at gmail.com. Gmail. Com. Or Leave twat it. at us. <laughs> twat. <laughs> Isn't I that the tweet active version us. of you tweet? Be. Anyway. Moving on. <laughs> I guess. Um, I think that's our very, very long intro. That is. Yeah. We, Fortunately, we have short, long topics. For, for our new <laughs> listener, we apologize for going through a bunch We're of... We're not going to apologize. No, fuck that. Okay, I apologize <laughs> for all the business keeping that we just went through. I don't know how long I that was. I found it quite interesting and invigorating. But... Hopefully you appreciate our The fun. dogs obviously did not. Did you hear that? It probably didn't come through on the audio, but yeah, it sounded like someone with bad digestion going on. Either that or they just shut down the uh, the the power. Your dogs the, just shut down. Shut, shut, shut down <laughs> shut down the power to the tractor beam on the Death Star. It's entirely possible. Yep. No segue to that one. Dun, 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 dun. So, <laughs> so last week, so we talked a lot about feminism and skepticism and the back of the fourth. And there's been more stuff going on in the week pre, week hence. Has there? There's been a back and forth between Greta Christina and DJ Grothy. Oh yeah. Um, <laughs> and all that kind of stuff. Are we going to talk about more of that this week, Gary? No. 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 We're going to move on. And why is that? Because. We talked about it. Yes. So we're done with it. Yes. No more misogyny and skepticism ever. We right. have solved right. the problem. That's right. We we solved the problem. As people don't want to listen to us and and maintain our solution, then yeah, screw you. In other words, we're sick of talking about, about it. So we're going to talk about health topics today, aren't we? Yes. So Donna, health. What do you got? Well, apparently, <laughs> British Columbia has an aggressive strategy that has been lowering the number of new HIV and AIDS cases. What they've been doing is... It's aggressive like like the religious conservatives would consider aggressive in that going out and jailing people with HIV? No, what they've actually been doing is they have set up um, safe stations for um, IV drug users where they can shoot up safely with a nurse present who actually will perform an AIDS test and syphilis test while they're there, and if they test positive, they start to get treatment that's more proactive with the retroviral drugs, all of this jazz, and they have actually drastically reduced the number of new AIDS cases. It's, it's actually, it sounds like it's looking at the problem realistically. Right, because um, AIDS cases are, have remained steady in other provinces, with the exception of the Prairie region, where they've mostly they've tripled mostly among Indian addicts in Saskatchewan, which has no safe injection center. Yet this treatment as prevention as strategy has seems to be working. Um, Science Magazine named it one of the breakthroughs of the year. This uh, treatment as prevention, so. You know, it's huge news because it's making an actual dent. Or prevention is treatment. It says treatment as prevention strategy. I read that directly from... I see. Okay. That makes sense, too. So it sounds like an actual, like, reasonable response with things like, you know, clean needles and, you know, safe... Right, a safe place. Safe place. um, Right. Reasonable testing where you're not demonized. If you're found to be positive, you're helped out by the system. Which is kind of a nice, happy story. That's... Oh, 
makes me yeah, feel I'm, good about life, the universe, and everything that. That people that, want and to actually, government will yeah. uh, help people. Yeah. And, right. Uh, the, but I guess on the flip side is that I I can't see this kind of programming coming to the United States anytime soon. Well, we we no. had the uh, some some cities had the, the uh, clean needle the, the stuff. needle swap the needle out and the, and the condoms yeah. and all that. But this is really kind of fo- you know kind this of goes beyond marrying yeah. that project with all sorts of different initiatives to bring down any kind of needle problems, any kind of infections, HIV or otherwise, but, you know, and also catching the, the issue of AIDS as soon as someone does get infected so they can start treatment immediately rather than being this pariah who has to hide the fact that they have AIDS and yeah. like Tom Hanks in Philadelphia. Right. And another, another issue usually seen with HIV patients is um, hepatitis C. And there is a new study going on right now um, producing a potentially hepatitis C vaccine. Um, More good news. Right. um, Apparently, there's about half a million people in the UK who are affected with it, up to 170 million people worldwide with a positive diagnosis for hepatitis C. Right now, there is just treatment. There is no vaccine. But this this new potential vaccine, rather than targeting the surface of hepatitis C, which is what where they usually start with, it's actually because the surface on hepatitis C is so rapidly changes. They're actually trying to get into the hepatitis C virus and change and attach the vaccine to that. So, right. Um, it, I believe it's at a stage two, initially 41 healthy people who are, who have a lifestyle where they are susceptible to catching hepatitis C have been given the vaccine and the test is showing no major side effects. I, th- I huh. think it sounds more like with a trial of only 41 people that it's probably stage one. Right. But the fact that they're testing on humans is a good sign, that they've gotten through all the um, you know animal models and stuff like right. that and found, okay, this is positive, it's fa- fairly safe. Right. aim of phase one trial was to determine whether the treatment was safe, 41 patients were given the vaccine. Scientists said it produced a very strong immune response, which lasted for at least a year and had no major side effects. Right. So now the next stage to see, okay, it's it's safe. Across the it's, spectrum. Yeah, yeah, it's safe and it produces a immune response. How much does it actually prevent the disease? Yep. Well, that's good. I mean, it's in this age of diminishing returns in science where it's harder and harder to get that next step. It's, yep. I'm, I'm glad to hear that they're... You're making some progress. And I'm sure they're making progress on a HIV vaccine in the same way, because that keeps changing all the time. Yeah. So hopefully these two bits of research can, can help each other out. <laughs> Speaking of diminished returns, Greg, didn't you have something about diminished science. returns? Yeah, well, and and the other thing is, you know, with 40, 41-odd people, it's, right, it's a small uh, section, cross-section of the, the population. So you really never know. Right. How it's going to affect other people, maybe different blood types, maybe different health, whatever. But right. health issues. And it was the the way they did it is they took the cold virus and they modified it so it looked like the Hep C virus in certain ways. So it's not it's 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 an analog, but it's not fully Hep C. So it's a matter of seeing how really truly effective it is in preventing Hep C. Taking now, hold. Who who is uh, who is doing the study? Uh, is that you said there's a university, right? Uh, hold on a second. Let me. 
get this. Uh, because it is Oxford. Oxford. Oh, yes. okay. So it's it's uh, it's a study for study's sake, right? Yeah. As opposed to like you did this. You it's read... early clinical trials of a Hep C vaccine are showing vaccine. promising results, according okay. to researchers at. So Oxford. it's not say some uh, big pharma no. kind of thing. It's research for. Yes. Trying to fix a fix a known bad problem. Right. Right. Okay. And that that does lead into an article that I posted to the Facebook page this last week from Wired.com, and it was called "Trials and Errors: Why Science Is Failing Us." <laughs> and w- we've kind of discussed this vague topic before of people talking about science as if you know the failures of science means that science is useless. And it the, that's really worth that that headline comes from that attitude of, well, people make mistakes and drug trials fail, so why should we even try? Or it, it 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 almost leads to that woo point of view of, well, you can't really know anything, so we're going to use our magic, you know, herbs and stuff because we pretend we know what's going on. Yeah, and in that particular article, he was talking specifically about. Uh, <clears throat> the diminishing returns because everything's so hard now because yeah. we've got the basics and so it's getting harder and harder to get a drug that actually works uh, it, like the way that it says and has some some actual real benefit um, to, you, what they were they're talking about the uh, the cholesterol drug cholesterol uh, drug which showed a lot of promise and they thought Tors- that Tors- Tors- Tors, tors it doesn't really matter. Yeah. It's yeah. taken off the... I'll see silly cocking them. <laughs> so the, the, the whole point was, uh, according to the article, is, oh, these scientists thought that uh, good cholesterol, HDL, was going to be better than bad cholesterol, LDL. And so if you increase that, it would have awesome benefits to the body. It turned out that it didn't. It had it some unintended... Consequences. Chest pains and other yeah, things. Yeah, heart attacks. So people, more people were dying on it than off it. Exactly. Uh, and so they said, oh, well, you know, we can't... Like you said, they kind of threw up their hands and say, well, it's just so hard, you know. The author did. Not necessarily right. Pfizer, right. but... Right. Yeah, he was... T- um, the author of the article was talking about on the idea that $100 billion of research... Uh, or a billion dollars of research had gone into this drug. And he t- the article talked about... Well, the cholesterol pathway of how cholesterol goes from step to step to step, losing an electron here, binds with the other's okay. chemical here, that whole step is actually, according to the article, one of the most understood chains of chemicals within the body. We know how these chemicals well, we know, interact. We know the chemistry. The chemistry right. is right. easy. And, <laughs> and uh, you know, there is a certain point to be understood of, well, the researchers thought because they understood that chemical process that if they just interrupt it in this one place here with this uh, torstropib cholesterol, cholesterol drug, which stops the bad LDL cholesterol being changed into the good HDL cholesterol, be, if we do that, then HDL will mop up more LDL and... Um, it'll be good for the body. Much, much happiness will ensue. Yes. And less heart problems or whatever. But, the, you know, be, so the the article talks about how, well, we thought we understood this chemical process, but found out there was unintended consequences. So that's bad. It's like, well, okay, that that's science. 
that that the idea of well we think we know this we have a spotlight on what we know and there's the stuff towards the edges of the spotlight that we just don't quite understand yet yeah. and there's stuff outside the spotlight that we 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 don't know at all yeah, science we can't is even still see. fairly new it's and... that fog of, of of war that we can't see on the other side of the hill right but in it well then then he goes on to say uh he goes on to say that well, they lost so much money, and so we're, we're not learning anything, you know, we're not moving forward. It's like, no, that's not true. A failed experiment is still an experiment. Yeah, it you teaches right. us even more. Um, yeah. Edison in the light bulb. Edison in the light bulb, yeah. The incandescent light bulb. He, you know, yes, it took him a hundred tries to produce it. Oh, much what, more than a hundred. Thousands using, of stuff he I'm was using, trying to use. this is an example yeah, okay. here. Work with me. I want to make it seem even more impressive because but my middle basically... name sounds like Edison. <laughs> okay. And he may have stolen it at the but, end anyway. So. <laughs> you know, he, and the great quote is, is that he learned, you know, however many, you know, minus one ways not to, to do not do it. Yeah. How not to make a light bulb. He's an expert at. <laughs> and, and so the problem really with drugs is it's. It is expensive because you have to get it to the trials, and then it's expensive in the cost of lives and the time. I mean, with a light bulb, generally speaking, you don't have to wait a year to see if it works. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it takes you a little while to make the filament and to put it together and all that. But with a human body, or with a drug that affects the human body, it takes a long time to produce it and then produce it and then test no, it all the testing and then produce enough you have phase that you one, can test it phase one to phase four testing yeah. and it's time and i, I mean i'm not going to do it for free necessarily yeah <laughs> you know you have to pay me because i'm putting my health at risk using your you know you're testing something out of me so that costs money and you have to have people analyze it and this goes back to another conversation that we've had and I think in, in the uh, the comment section, people are talking about, you know, bad studies never get printed. And that's actually not <laughs> yeah. a good thing. Right. Because, we should know this Because stuff. Pfizer, you know, Pfizer and Johnson & Johnson should be kind of talking with each other. It's like, hey, we tried this. You know, you might not want to go down this road. And Johnson & Johnson may be going down other. Oh, well, uh, you know. Grant, okay. That's the... The uh, the angelic view of it, right. where everyone the science is open and no one's spending money and everyone's you know trading, uh, sharing information. That that would be the ideal, or at least print it. But again, also Pfizer doesn't have to print their studies up. All they have to do is show the FDA that they have that they were able to do it, that it's safe, and they should they could practice. So they're not actually producing peer reviewed research. The only peers they're looking at are within the company. Right. So it's not pure science. Pure science isn't pure science, but it tries to be. But when you're working for a large corporation, you're looking to, one, keep your job. Right. <laughs> B, and, make them money. And make them money. And and that's a very big goal. And it's not always on the honorable side. You know, look, right. look at Look at tobacco. You know, look at look what they did. They produced a hell of a lot of studies showing, oh, well, it, it turns out it does relax you, but it also causes all kinds of uh, sorts stuff. of other yeah, yeah. problems. So. Well, on the on the bright side, that this this um, Pfizer drug, the Torstropib, was a failure. <laughs> well, first of all, they, the name of it is going to be a failure. Anyway. Okay. Well, I mean, 
think of all the various compounds that are out there, you have to think of some new name for every single little thing out there. Yeah, but you're going to name it after, like, the the uh, uh, Czechoslovakian brother of Mr. Pibb? <laughs> <laughs> it's Tostra Pibb! <laughs> I'm surprised it's just a drug name that doesn't have a Z or an X in it. Oh, well, yeah. I, yeah. They, they, may be, they may be moving beyond the Z's and yeah. X. But... The good news about this is Pfizer had this failure with this one drug, but Merck was able to create a a chemical that's very, very similar to um, Torstropib, which is um, a Nestropib, is what they're calling it. That's the third cousin. That's the third cousin. I mean, he's Albanian. Which is chemically similar to the Pfizer drug, which I shall not name anymore because Gary laughs at it. But it doesn't seem to cause the same blood pressure and heart-related effects. So there was some learning from this. There was some amount of Merck saying, well, their thing didn't work, but maybe if we can change it enough or have something similar to it enough that still interferes with that LDL production that doesn't have the same side effects, we can have a winner. Mm-hmm. So even though there is competition and it's not as angelic and, well, this didn't work for, for us, here's all our results, please don't do this so you might kill people. Well, no, yeah. you just put out the results and, and say this, yeah. the results are that you know people were dying and it is, it is causing problems. Then they go, yeah. okay, and then they can go through and figure out, okay, why do they think? But it's also... He, he says that they're they're losing the sight of the more holistic systems view of the HDL LDL, right. which he, the, he, the author claims that we have no clue about. Yeah, he talks <laughs> yeah. a lot about having a. Pro- the author talks a lot about having a problem with reductionism, in that in order to understand the interaction of systems, scientists have to reduce to its simplest level that you possibly can. You know, the joke about physics is everything seems to, in all physics problems, they're always about, it's in a frictionless environment, in a vacuum. vacuum. Yeah, perfect sphere. Perfect spheres and, you know, that kind of thing, where in order to at least get the basic principles, you have to get rid of all those extra variables, where we know in the real world it doesn't quite work that way. But in order to get the math to work so you can inform the real world, well, you, you have still, to reduce it. You still have to reduce it because you still have to reduce it to a part. But then you have to build it up again, and that's right. what he's missing. Is that's what they do? They understand. I mean, there's so many things that go on in the body because the, the blood, whatever goes in the blood, goes pretty much throughout the body. So if you put something that's a large molecule, it can go up around the head, and the head has, you know, the brain has barriers to keep large molecules from getting in. That's a problem in itself to get. In, uh, medicine like, in medicine in right so they and they know that right it's, right and he's ignoring the fact that the body is a system of systems yeah he's, he's saying he's 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 taken reductionism to almost an absurd or belief uh, uh, other people's belief in reductionism to an absurd I'm, length Right. It's it's very straw man in that but, yeah, thank these you. scientists are always just reducing it to the simple stuff. That's why they always fail. Well, uh, no, they fail because science is the history of failure. Pretty much. Because yeah. we try something, it doesn't work. We try something, it doesn't work. We try something, oh, look, it worked. Well, not kind <laughs> of. i got to try again. <laughs> right. You're, they're always refining. That's why we keep on getting newer computers. Yeah. And, uh, and operating systems. 
<laughs> and also he gets into this weird thing about statistics in that um, statistics and science nowadays is based a lot on pulling all your numbers and then trying to see if there's a correlation with statistical significance. Yes. And, you know, he admits in the article that that um, scientists are always saying correlation is not causation, but if you have enough correlations that reinforce each other and you have statistical significance of, you know, unlikely that it could happen one time in a thousand, you're pretty confident in your correlations. And so he, he goes from there to, to talking about um, another drug, which was... Um, or, sorry, an amino acid. The homocysteine. Right. Cysteine. I'm going to read this, basically this paragraph of, consider the story of uh, homocysteine, an amino acid that for several decades appeared to be linked to heart disease. Good research. Okay. The original paper detecting this association has been cited 1,800 times and has led doctors to prescribe various B vitamins to reduce homocysteine. So, breaking apart from a second here... Doctors found that there was a link between this amino acid homocysteine and heart disease. So they said, well, let's prescribe B vitamins to reduce that. Maybe that'll help. So continuing the quote, however, a study published in 2010 involving 12,000 volunteers over seven years showed that the treatment had no effect on the risk of heart attack or stroke, despite the fact that homocysteine levels were lowered by 30%. The author seems to think that, you know, we find this correlation between things and we try something, it doesn't work, so that means all science is bad. Yeah. It's, it, yeah. it's, I mean, he doesn't really say it that way, but a lot of the language in the article really verges on the woo talk that yeah. you get from homeopathists and well, chiropractors. Read, read the next two sentences. Right. The larger point is that we've constructed our two point tri- two point five two point five trillion dollar healthcare system around the belief that we can call can find the underlying causes of illnesses. That sounds like something a homeopathist would say to you. It that, sounds like something that comes yeah. right out of natural news. Yeah, we <laughs> think you think you scientists know the causes of stuff, but we don't really know. Right. So I mean, we it, just stop looking. Yeah. That's the best way to do it. The author earlier on in the article talks about David Hume, which is a um, 18, uh, 17, no, 19th century philosopher who yeah. um, basically, uh, the, the, what the point of the quote of David Hume was all about is basically saying, from a philosophical point of view, we can't really see causes, that it's just a story we make up to fit the facts as best sure. we can. Right, right. Well, that's and, all fine in philosophy, but in the real world, things do have causes. And just because David Hume says, well, you can't really have a cause philosophically, doesn't mean that you can't have a cause in the body. Right, and that was like the whole part with his thing about the back pain, where, he, where we're discovering that back pain is not necessarily due to a physical ailment that depression and these things that we know depression will cause pain, mm-hmm. all of these things. But he's all like, well, look, you know, we have all of this technology that is allowed to see us. We're not getting any better. And once again, we have another throwing the baby out with the bathwater. Yeah. The, 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 the ultimate sentence to, to, to what Donna was saying was, and I'll quote, 
The only solution for this... Sorry, I have to do this in a southern accent because it's so fucking stupid. <laughs> the only solution for this mental flaw is to deliberately ignore a wealth of facts, even when the facts seem relevant. <laughs> so the, the only idea of, you know, okay, well, we've gone back and forth on how to deal with back pain, how to deal with, you know, does vitamin D do any good for MS... Or how to deal with, you know, drug studies is to throw out the facts because we didn't know everything and we tried our best and failed. Yeah. We have 150 years of of the philosophy of science, right? Where we we have the naturalistic viewpoint that is overtaken because everything, as far as we know and as far as data backs up, everything has a natural uh, cause. cause, yeah, and effect. You know, you don't have something cause something, and then magically something else happens. Uh, it, that would be impossible to figure out anything if that were the case, because you would never know whether it was a, par- a fairy or a pixie or an angel or whatever. But it's interesting about the back pain. One thing that um, annoyed me is... About the article. About the article, when, when he says, okay, they, they go through and they see a lot of people, like, like he talks about pictures. Baseball Pitcher, pictures. Baseball pictures, not pictures. Not pictures of beer. And not pictures on a <laughs> and wall. not pictures, but pictures. Baseball pictures. And he says, you know, he, they did a study on 30 of them or whatever, and he showed that they all had horrible, horrible mangled arms. But they were all in perfect health. Or at least they, they said that they were perfectly healthy. And then they had people with back pain and people without back pain who got MRIs, and half the people had bad vertebras and stuff like that. Whether or not they had pain or not. Yeah, whether or not they had pain. Well, pain is all in the head. I yeah. mean, yeah. it's it's, it's uh, a limited it's a, perception, right? And so, some people we know have far higher thresholds of pain than than other people. It, some it, of those pictures may just have been used to the uncomfortableness, and they don't they think of it, it as an issue. Yeah, because that's that's their normal. Yeah. Or they could be taking pain pills at the time that you asked them, <laughs> yeah. or, or they some... could be on steroids. Yeah, yeah, there's all exactly. kinds of other reasons. So he just kind of ignores that. But speaking about back pain, there was, uh, was it the uh, New York Times had an article, not a very good article, I must say. I didn't, I didn't particularly like it, and therefore it is a bad article about yoga and how it's bad for you, how it can cause harm. Um, and basically, they were, essentially, the article was interviewing a yoga inst- a master yoga instructor who was trained in India. Yeah, yeah. From, so a from, yogi. Yeah, so he was like the he trained at the guy who started yoga or right. you know and came to America. But his name is Glenn Black. Yeah. So I wouldn't want to call him someone who's so Glenn like American Black Ninja. Yogi Black. Yogi Black. Yeah. Glenn Black starts talking about all these people who he's seen who have had who kind of overexert themselves in yoga because they're going beyond the centering. They're, they're trying to do it for performance or to, to show how cool they are at yoga. So he's talking about this guy who puts himself in like a, a, a an S position where you kind of... Uber you, twisty. Yeah, you, 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 know, you sit down and you twist. Basically, I do it to crack my back. But he's like, yeah, the guy goes around. He goes around like 90 degrees or 180 degrees and pops three ribs. Right, literally did break them. Yeah. And, <laughs> yeah. and people who are doing you know headstands... And all this weird stuff that really isn't necessarily good for the body uh, that gymnasts do to limber up and then they do it to show how impressive they are that they're doing in regular yoga. Most people are not made to do 
a lot of the advanced yoga moves. Yeah. You know, standing on your pinkies and, and thumbs and stuff. You know, people really aren't made to do that. They were talking about this is a combination not just of practitioners trying to do more than they really can, yeah. but also um, yoga instructors who either are not trained enough to do it right or just got this massive ego of everything, everybody who works with them must be able to do these really advanced poses. Yeah, yeah and that's the whole who, thing. Oh, you have like, to give up your ego to do yoga. They'll, they'll sit on people's backs to make sure that they're in the right position or something like yeah. that and move their arms and stretch them more than they should. Uh, and, and the yeah. whole point of the article, and, it, and I think they only say it like once, maybe at the end, is, you know, if you can't do the move, if you're, <laughs> don't do the move. I mean, don't yeah. force yourself to do this stuff. You, your body and you know where your limits are. Now, when you're stretching and you're trying to get more limber, okay, you have to, you have to, you have to you push have to, a bit. Yeah, that's but the whole point, point of exercise. You know, you shouldn't be turning your, you shouldn't be doing like the, the exorcist moves, right? right. If, if if you're suddenly looking like you're you're uh, uh, in the exorcist, <laughs> you should probably think about that and stop. Right. Unless you're in The Exorcist and you've been hired to do that move, in which case, you know... And you have CGI behind you. <laughs> Perhaps. I mean, well, ex uh, extortionists. Contortionists. <laughs> Contortionists are people, you know, they can dislocate things and, and they've been training for this, right? They, mm -hmm. they practice this stuff. Yoga's... You don't need to uh, spin your... Well, actually, you know what? I take that back. You may want to be able to spin your head around. If you're a manager or you have kids, you know, it'd probably be pretty good to go around, you know, 180 degrees, do a, do an owl move. Right, but they were talking in the, about, in the article about some of these injuries are akin to whiplash. Yeah. In that people are not only trying to do too much, but do it too fast. Yeah. yeah. So any mother who has to turn around the head really quickly to see what the kid is doing is not going to be healthy because <laughs> they're <laughs> not going to have stretched not. out beforehand. So yeah. the skeptic wire was, does not suggest that you do yoga so you can keep an eye on your kids. No, that was, that was uh, sort of a tongue in cheek kind of thing. Yeah. Just want to make sure we didn't yeah. get sued. Although you might want to convince your manager at work that he should probably learn how to do that. <laughs> Unless oh, you like dear. him. <laughs> I'm assuming that you hate your manager at work. I do not. Do not what? Hey. See, you were going to try to quote mine me, weren't you? you... <laughs> I'm not going to well, say anything. We would never do something like that. I've been very good with my uh, liberal use of editing. Horse manure! <laughs> well, it's, it seems to me that it's... I make you sound intelligent. <laughs> Squirrel droppings! Um... Anyway, the whole idea of going too far, stretching more than you really should have, it, it seems to be a combination of just the natural human, like, trying to go too far and, and having a problem with it. But also, I they didn't really talk about this a lot in this article, but there's a lot of beliefs that go along with something that's very woo-intensive, like yoga can be. I mean, it can be well, this basic exercise. Well, this article is a lot of, there's a lot of woo just yeah. casually mentioned. Yes, exactly. But yeah. the, the point was that in this, for this one specific example, it seems to me to have a lot to do with submitting yourself to an authority and not critically thinking yourself. Right. Your teacher tells you this is what you should do next. 
this is going to be a cookie cutter position that everybody should be able to do, right. even if you're not trained enough to know that you shouldn't be able to do that yet. And then they fold themselves into yeah. a, into an oven. And then they you know <laughs> they pinch a nerve in their neck or break you know break an artery or something, and they're yeah. sent off the emergency yeah. room. Right. Well, so the- or they don't go to the emergency room; they go to their chiropractor. <laughs> well, yeah, because yoga is kind of hand in hand with woo. But the boil it down is it's simply of do not overstress yourself. You know, yeah. do not do more than you're capable of doing. Do not try to do an advanced move on your first day at a yoga class. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Really. What else has to be said? It doesn't really help that all the famous yogis who write the books and who do the speaking tours or whatever always fluff it up to make it that yoga is perfectly healthy, no side effects. It's an old tradition, so it must be good. I mean, just all the kind of crap. It's a magic cure-all. But mainly that they never say, you got to be careful, you could hurt yourself. It's back to the whole thing of... At least the people who are in so deep. Right. give you that. Okay. All right, then. Sorry. Let's move on. I stepped over you there. I apologize. Yeah, it's okay. Okay. Well, I think that brings us to... The The Lightning Round! Lightning Round! So, the Lightning Round, in which... Each of the glorious contestants take 90 seconds to describe or talk about or mock an article or two of their choice from this past week. That's a good synopsis. 90 seconds. Yes. Oh, who's timing this? I'm timing it. All right. Let's start with Donna. Yay. I get to go first. First. Well, apparently, you know, we've gotten rid of uh, Barack Obama, you know, from Kenya. Now, apparently, he's fighting to prove that he didn't go to Mars. No. Yes. He didn't? Right. According to Andrew Basiago and William Stillings, they insist that they once served as chrononauts <laughs> at DARPA's behest, transversing the boundaries of time and space, and they swear a youthful Barack Obama was one of them. Um, that he is. They also insist that he isn't just lying about his identity; he's lying about a military record, concealing his participation in a hidden CIA intergalactic program hosted at the California Community College in 1980. Officially. The White House says that Obama has never gone to Mars. <laughs> he says the only thing that he's come close with is watching Marvin the Martian. <laughs> um, Obama is the only one who wasn't making the otherworldly voyage. Apparently, um, Regina Dugan, the director of DARPA, was another member, and they formed a band of interplanetary teen titans. <laughs> It's like this, Josie and the Pussycats. I, I'm not kidding. This article just... It's its a facepalm. It's just... Yeah. We'll put it up on the net. I just... There is nothing more than I can say other than... Thank God for lots of good mental health drugs that they're nice. obviously not getting. <laughs> Greg! Well, um, recently a... Um, a group in Sweden has been applying several times to be recognized by the uh, government as an, offi- as an officially recognized new religion in Sweden. 
and it's a spiritual leader is a, na- uh, a person named Isaac Gerson, which I assume is a man, um, based on the first name. Uh, he's 20, and um, he's about 3,000 3, members of his flock, for lack of a better word. And um, they have some basic, fairly simple tenets, which is they consider co- um, holy and regard um, as a sacrament the idea of copying. So, copying movies, or copying TV shows, or copying software. They oppose all copyright um, infri- um, in- enforcement, and uh, r- encourage all sorts of uh, piracy of, of all types of media. The church is called the Church of Copymism, and um, they have been uh, recognized as an official religion. There seems to be a lot of back and forth in Sweden about copyright protection and all that and um interesting to see what'll happen now that there's this officially recognized church that um you know you you think of america of all the churches who are asking for exemptions to existing safety laws or you know child protection laws or anything like that and um we'll see what happens and we'll see if they're result uh connected at all to the political party called the pirate party which i think is just wonderful yeah me, I'm going Dude. to run my way through these because you have a whole bunch that you want to get through. Yeah, well, a couple, three, three or four. Okay, scientists have caught the process of evolution in action as a species of Australian lizard called the skink abandons egg laying for live births. A variety of skink, which is snake-like with four tail legs, has been found laying eggs along the coast of New South Wales. However, the same yellow-bellied three-toed lizard living in the colder mountainous region is giving birth to offspring like a mammal does. That's kind of interesting. Some archaeologists and historians are worried that the next generation to visit the moon might carelessly obliterate the site of one of humanity's greatest accomplishments. And this may become a problem as interest in returning to the moon has been increasing and the law about these objects is fuzzy. And basically, they want to make them historical sites so they're not, they're not disturbed and they want to protect them. Hostess just filed for bankruptcy. Bankruptcy. So eat up those Twinkies. Blah. <laughs> Scientists set the hands of the doomsday clock forward one minute from two years ago. It is now five minutes to midnight, Bulletin of, a, Bulletin of Atomic Scientist Director Kenneth Benedict announced on June 10th. The clock is a symbol of the threat of humanity's imminent destruction from nuclear or biological weapons, climate change, and such. So, closest bin is one minute. And last, the Templeton Foundation is going to pray their way through space. Very exciting. With ten seconds to spare, congratulations! Oh, really? Gary. I, I had yeah. uh, my my clock. I when you started earlier. talking about ah, it, I started. Okay. So whatever. So good uh, for you. Yeah, there we go. So doomsday clock. We're we're nearing because of the Fukushima, and uh, basically we're being dicks to each other. Yes, not just within the skeptical movement. No. So going to Donna. Donna again. Yes. Apparently, <laughs> sorry. Apparently, there is a black-handed um, spider monkey that is on the edge of predicting the GOP race. Um, does very well in simple coin flop, coin flip tests. You know, like sports matches and everything else. But he could take a while to pick the winner. Um, 
Believers say that he has a true gift because he's really old. He's actually one of the oldest primates in captivity. An average lifespan for a black-handed spider monkey is 30 years in captivity. He is actually 40 years old. So, yeah. (laughs) We got an old monkey who thinks that he can predict from a barrel of monkeys who's going to (laughs) win. Right. So, yeah, that's all I got. So, a black-handed monkey is predicting the GOP race. It's got to be the (laughs) only... It's got to be the only black hand involved in the GOP race. Well, since Kerwin Kane left. Yes, involved. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, that's really all I got about it. It's not racist at all. No, not at all. (laughs) Other than, okay, he has a 50-50 chance of predicting the winner. Really? Yeah. Who's, yeah, what, well, in all the other things she was talking about, about sports the, things, yeah, a flip of a it, coin. Yeah, yeah, oh, he pretty much saying. only predicts 50-50 racing. So, <sighs> that's lame. It was cooler when we had a psychic octopus who was predicting soccer matches. Yeah. yeah an octopus might be better at choosing a GOP candidate because all eight arms could basically go into different boxes and stuff. Could Could be. Why are you staring at me like that, people? <laughs> Greg! <laughs> Why don't I talk about something that's a little less awkward? Menstrual blood. <laughs> and your time's running. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's been a recent uh, discovery that was uh, talked about on Med, uh, Med, MedIndia.com, which was um, that I, I don't have all the details on here. It's a very... Uh, general article, and I'll post it to the Facebook page. But basically, um, researchers have been able to examine menstrual blood, and they found that there's a lot of stem cells in menstrual blood. So um, it used to be that women could save their um, umbilical cords when they give birth. That will help either them or their children with as a source of stem cells as future research finds uh, clinical uses for stem cells. But now mm-hmm. women can basically save their menstrual blood and have it stored um, by a menstrual blood bank and um, have an, a, a, a basically a way to save a whole bunch of stem cells that will um, help them if they ever have any issues. So apparently it's just this cup that you can put in the vagina during the heaviest flow days save about 20 milliliters of blood, and then you have this um, collection kit that you basically wrap up and mail to the blood bank, and then they... I'm sure the post office appreciates You women, you you want to have the same things as men. You have to... We have our sperm bank, and now you want your menstrual blood bank. Well, Well, we have a better time donating our sperm. No, actually, this is better for women, because there's, there's nothing like this for men. There's no source of stem cells for men. I think he dinged you. He did, but I was just making one final point, and we can move on to whoever's next. That I'm would talking be me. about something that's not embarrassing at all. And listen, do you hear that sound? You know what that sound is? That's the Holistic Chamber of Commerce sound. Ooh. And so for my minute and a half, which will be longer because it's ridiculous, <laughs> and he's global orgasms for peace. You're pre oh. calling the mulligan, huh? I am. Uh, I got sent this. Now, they're trying to make this a regular occurrence every year. December 21st. So 
<laughs> isn't that the year that we're supposed to end the world? Isn't yes, it? we'll we'll all be dead by the end of this year. But I, th- I think they're they're gathering. We may because- be all be dead by May because according to that preacher, the world's going to end oh, May twenty seventh. Oh, that's a good point. That's a good point. So the, this the content copyright on, on the website is oh nine to to twelve. So I, apparently they were expecting us to end in oh nine. So. <laughs> It says, December 21st, let's see how many people we can get to join our cause and make the biggest difference on the planet. Practice as often as you would like. Especially on full moons, new moons, solstices, and equinoxes, or when you remember. Dedicate an orgasm to peace. Hold on, hold on. When you remember to have an orgasm. Like, who the fuck forgets? Ah, damn it, I forgot to have an orgasm last night. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, when you remember. Well, who was supposed to do this? You may practice alone or with a partner. Oh, that's nice. Where are we supposed to do this? Everywhere in the world, but especially in those countries affected by war or violence. Those most in need of peace. Well, why are we supposed to do this? To affect positive change in the energy field of the Earth through conscious dedication of orgasmic energy to the vibration of peace. Our minds and our biology influence matter in quantum energy fields. So by okay. concentrating our thoughts before, during, and after orgasm on peace and loving kindness, the synergy of high orgasmic physical energy combined with the power of positive visualization could help reduce global levels of violence, hatred, and fear. <gasps> There's one well, more sentence. Hold on, hold on. I want to make an Screw observation. They do the Republican random capitalization thing, too. Yep, yep. So the question Bitches. is, who are these people? I don't want to know. Actually, okay, well, wait. Let's see who they are. I want to hear about Priestess and Anila, or Anila and Steve Schweitzer. He Were happens they on, to be uh, part of the Global Consciousness Project. Uh, an international uh, multidisciplinary collaboration of scientists, engineers, artists, and others maintain a network of random event generators. Which for some of us means random having sex. (laughs) (laughs) Now, so what you're trying to do, what would be more interesting is everybody not only should be thinking about sex, but should be thinking of a non-random number. Let's say 42. So now, from now on... Because that's the answer to everything. Absolutely. So whenever you have sex and get near an orgasm, think of peace and the number 42. And see if we can't get those random number generators to... To, to skew a little bit? Uh, to rub one out. <laughs> <laughs> so. <laughs> Anybody have anything else to say? This is the most ridiculous. Rituals for dedication. Let's talk about the next tab. I'm, so you must create a sacred space. See the divine in the eyes of your partner. So what they're saying is make oh. your bed ahead of time. <laughs> right. Yes, my bed is always a sacred space. See the divine in the eyes of your partner or, or yourself. yourself if practicing solo. No. So make sure you have plenty of mirrors around. Yeah, <laughs> I was trying to figure out the physics of that. If If you're just kind of off on your own practicing solo, as they call no, it. The next one is... <laughs> okay, the next... Bless the liquid in the, quote, vibration of love and peace, end quote, before you drink water, wine, or juice. What? How are you, quote, unquote, blessing the liquid? <laughs> I don't know, but then you have to bless the oil in the vibration of love and peace before you anoint your or your partner's most sacred places. You can buy that at adamandeve.com. <laughs> yes, you can buy this oil at adamandeve.com. But has sure. it been blessed with the vibration of love and peace? I'm pretty sure it has. Well, the 
blessing of of internet uh, payment. The sacrament of PayPal? <laughs> the sacrament of PayPal. Exactly. <laughs> Pal's in the name. It's very woolly. Hold on, hold on. I like very. this one. Create rituals of baptism and cleansing, washing away lower vibrations. Don't you want the vibrations in the lower parts? <laughs> well... Yeah. They maybe they maybe and, think and more wooly. Rituals of baptism. I know there's a Japanese word for that. Okay, but Bukaki, that's what it is. Visualize the orgasms shooting What's out light. What's a mudras? Apparently it's like the thumb and forefingers like <laughs> What? You know the the, 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 the spiritual <laughs> pose of Oh, I took that the, totally wrong. The Buddha wrong. sitting with like the the OK symbol, ah, okay, and and in meditation. I think that's what that is. I see. No, I'm like what? Oh my goodness! I don't. You're finally getting no. the whole thumb and forefinger air no imagery no, that Gary the, was going through. The last one. Oh. I told you. Visualize the orgasm shooting out light while you oh. consciously focus thoughts of peace, as if you can think. If you are practicing with a partner, hold sacred space and do this for the other. What? I don't understand this. Apparently, this is far any... too wooey for me. Yeah. If my orgasm shoots out light, I don't want to know about it. Okay. Ooh, that's yeah. It, females can ejaculate too, as a concept. In and of itself, global orgasm, bringing about peace. I mean, people having sex, having orgasms, bringing peace. I can get... Okay, um... As long as... Get behind it is not the phrase (laughs) I want to use. Um, (laughs) I can support it. Yes, that... Okay, that's not... Can't be taken any weird way. Support it? Yes, it can. (laughs) (laughs) So you can kind of cup it? I agree with the sentiment (laughs) of orgasms good. Okay. Orgasms are very good. But all the other woo from this, these people are just, you know, last week we did um, a bingo with psychic predictions. You could do another bingo with these, just this one page alone, talking about all various woo stuff about, you know, crystals and energies and 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 um, quantum and just all the stupid ass buzzwords. I like this. Do it for yourself, your family, and a peace-filled planet. <laughs> family and orgasm should not go with each other. No, but it's usually the cause of it. Okay, good point. <laughs> yeah. Well, AdamEve.com. AdamEve.com. <laughs> no, we're still not sponsored by them. If anybody knows them, uh, please. Please tell them that we would... L- Hell, you know what? We'll take merchandise. <laughs> I'm so not going there. Too late. He did. Oh, yeah. Totally went there. All right, guess... Gary, why don't you tie up this podcast? <laughs> tie it up. Why don't okay. you circumcise this podcast? <laughs> I was going to say, tie it up. Oops. All right, we're going we're gonna to make so this podcast can't have any babies. Thank you all for joining us. We're tying the tubes. We're going to make like a porn store and blow. All right. That'll work. And uh, you guys have a wonderful week. Thanks for joining us. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.
The Skeptic Wire podcast theme music is by Oscar Lawn with guest mandolin by Greg Perrine. If you've enjoyed listening to The Skeptic Wire, leave a review on iTunes or leave us a voice message via the Podposted app for iPhone. Friend us on Facebook or follow us on Twitter at The Skeptic Wire. Follow our blog at skepticwire.blogspot.com or send us an email skepticwire at gmail.com. You've been listening to The Skeptic Wire. But speaking about back pain, <laughs> there was a another article that leads right at see. Lovely segue. You called me telling me not to do the segues. Well, that Tell was you. last week. Oh, wait. I, 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 I actually, I haven't, I haven't quite finished the segue. I stopped my segue to gloat. <laughs> <laughs> See, last week you were horrible at segues. I, no, no, and I, I was criticizing you. I started out badly, but I certainly this got into This week my... you're just not allowed to talk about me and my relationship status anymore. <laughs> you noticed you okay. didn't give me that qualification. Neither of you are allowed to talk I, about my relationship his status. At you. He had, no, he, had, he was pointing it at you. Okay. I'm wagging my finger at both of you. Snap. <laughs> <laughs> that was an in-stereo where That available. was disturbing. <laughs> <laughs> at least we weren't doing it in a Z formation. No, I, I, I did. You did? Yeah. I thought you just did the three snaps Speaking up. of Z formations. <laughs> <laughs> yes, uh, that happens to be a form uh, in yoga, I think. Or at least some... I'm not going to touch that one with a 10-foot pole. And I'm sure someone out there, somewhere out there, <laughs> there is some yoga pose that is basically a Z position. Yes. Like you're kneeling Although with you your arms forward. You might be able to look up Downward Facing Dog on AdamandEve.com. <laughs> Penthouse and Omni Magazine. This is not entirely out of the realm of possibility. I'm just saying. Okay. So, Gary, you were saying about how wonderful you were with transitions. (laughs) (laughs) I was, I was, I was gloating about how how wonderfully this transition happened to be going uh, had I followed through on the end of the transition. (laughs) And then we just went right off the rails. Instead, it's it's sort of like a bridge where they allow the ships to go under, and this one's kind of raised up. As I gloated, and then we all fell off the bridge because we couldn't stop. (laughs) It's a rather S-shaped bridge where it just kind of meanders in the middle of the straight and then finally gets to the other side. And I'm sure there's a yoga position that resembles this conversation. Exactly. Yes. There's Cobra. So what's what's this about yoga? Yoga. Yoga (laughs) bad. Yoga Yoga bad. Okay, we're done. (laughs) For a second there, when I first read the article, I thought they were talking about Glenn Beck, and I was very, very frightened. (laughs) Is Is it Glenn Beck? Because I swear, on the last page of this article, he says he met Glenn Beck instead of Back. Did I misread that? Yes, you did misread oh, that. Oh, Back. Okay. I was like, what the fuck is Glenn Beck in there doing this? Anyway, so he... <laughs> this guy's chalkboard. Upper dog, I'm just saying. <laughs> Anyway, so Glenn Back uh, black. is, is black. talking black. black. Glenn African American. <laughs> <laughs> I really 
going to get through this one. <laughs> oh, jeez.